We're just going to dive right into this, guys. It's okay. John 17. And let me show you something powerful today. And again, I really feel like the Lord has put this on my heart. And we've been asking this question because it is a very complicated thing. It's a very complex thing uh, to try to figure out what it looks like to be a church, what it looks like to be involved in a church. Um, again, you guys probably have many different backgrounds, and you've probably been to many different churches, and, and you get these different angles on why, why people go to church. And uh, I don't, I don't want to be overly complicated. I'm going to give you three big words, uh, two big words in a small world, word. And uh, I want you to write these down. I want you to think about this. Here's, here's why um, God brings together a people, and we call it a church. The first one is sanctified. Every, everybody write that down. You know, we hear that in churches. People get real excited, and they say, God, sanctify us, sanctify us. You know, we, we get all fired up. And we're like, we don't know what that means. We're like, yeah, sanctify us, sanctify us. Well, here's, here's why we come together. Um, uh, well, let's back up a minute. The first word, write a word before sanctified. Write saved. The church is for the saved. We are those who are redeemed by Jesus, by the blood of Jesus Christ, those who have accepted Christ as their Savior. That's it. Uh, that is the church of God. We're this family of people who have trusted Christ as our Savior. We rally around this thing of, of, of worshiping Jesus Christ. But the reason we come together, and I think this is where so many people can miss it, is the word sanctified. We're saved, but we want to be sanctified. What does that mean? Well, there's two parts to that. It means, one, that we're totally separated for God. We're just, we're totally dedicated to God. We want to learn how to give our whole lives to God. All right? And it also means that through that journey, we learn how to live the life of Jesus Christ. We're sanctified. We're growing in Jesus Christ. So we're saved. We accept Jesus as our Savior. But the reason we gather is the Spirit, so the Spirit can move in us and begin to change our hearts and to give us the hearts of Jesus. Like the more we look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we're like, wow, look, there's Jesus. We're reading about Jesus. You know, John 3, John 4, John 5. We're like, I'm becoming that. And it's kind of freaky because like I, I'm me and I'm starting to see this life of Jesus in me. I'm starting to see this, this love and this holiness and this patience and, and this devotion to God show up in my life. That's what we call sanctified. So we're saved. We're sanctified. But then ultimately, what happens if we're just all in here growing? Like we're just here. Like, we're all growing in Jesus. What good does that do our world? The third word is sent, right? We're to be sent. We're to take this growth, this new heart, this new passion, this new love, when our worlds are, are, are turning right side up, and the, our view of money and sex and marriage and, and enemies and all that stuff is being radically sanctified or transformed, we're then to step out of this building, and we walk into our homes, all of a sudden they're to be changed, when we walk into stores and supermarkets and whatever uh, people do in San Francisco, hang out in coffee shops and make friends, because we're being sanctified or transformed, we're sent out and now we're impacting people. And so, so much can go wrong right there because you can be saved, you can come to church and not be transformed or sanctified, therefore you're not going to be sent and be effective. You can be saved, you can come to church, you can be sanctified or transformed but you can go so big that we all become like these theologians and we do nothing if we're not sent. We have to have this whole sweep. This is what the Holy Spirit of God is here to do. We're saved, we're being transformed so we can go out and make a difference. And there's a real hunger in every human being to do more with their life. We want to be sent out. But I believe with all my heart that God is going to 
only partially send us out and do big things until we're truly being sanctified or transformed and changed. Because what do we have to give to people if we're not being changed? So I think most people, most believers are in that middle word of sanctified or transformation. They're saved. They're not quite sure how to go out and make a difference when they meet with a friend and have dinner. And they really want to be transformed. They really want that middle word sanctification. I, I want God to give me a new heart. I want God to give me peace about things. And that's really the scene of John 17. You guys got John 17? This is the most intense place to me. And possibly the whole of Scripture. Here's the scene. As you turn to John 17, I want you to go somewhere with me. Where are we at in this biblical story? Jesus Christ is in a massive upper room, a very large wooden upper room in the city of Jerusalem. It's very dark out. Let's call it 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. He's got 12 leaders with him. Jesus Christ knows that when the sun comes up in just a few hours, he is going to be arrested He's going to go to the cross, and he's going to die on that cross so we could have a relationship with God. But because he's leaving, he has got to teach these men. He has got to tell these guys in this upper room, these leaders, that I'm going away. And you're going to have to carry this mission on for me. But I am going to come back. I'm going to come back in a different form, and you're not going to understand this right now. My spirit is going to come back and empower you. And if I don't go away, the comforter won't come. So I've got to go to the cross. You guys got to continue this thing. I'm going to come back and empower you to continue this thing on. But I don't know if you've ever been in any type of situation like that. You can imagine a low-lit room. You can imagine a large table in the middle. You can imagine food being spread out. It's, It's the Passover meal. You can imagine... 12 guys leaning against the table. Nobody's really eating because they know there's an eeriness in the room. They, they know something's, there's a spiritual war going on. And Jesus is in the middle. He's leaning on his elbow. And he looks around and he tells these guys, one of you is against me. And he looks around the table and he says, you who it is, do what you need to do right now. And in a very eerie fashion, Judas gets up and he leaves the assembly and the 11 are sitting there staring at Jesus and Jesus says, I know we've been together for three years every day, but I have to go away. I have to, I have to leave you guys. And naturally, one of the, the guys sitting around the table looks up and he says, well, Lord, We've gone everywhere you've gone. Like, we're going with you. And he says, not this time. This is, the, this is the time I've been talking about. Where I go, you cannot go. I must go alone. I must go before the Father. I must go to the cross. And all of a sudden, there's a stillness. Everybody's kind of looking around. Looking at each other. And Jesus tells them, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. 
because I'm coming back through my spirit and I'm gonna guide you through every inch of this. Don't worry. We're gonna make it through this. And no one's talking. And all of a sudden, Jesus stands to his feet and he says these words that must have felt like ice. He says, let's go. 11.30, 12 o'clock at night, all of a sudden everyone stands up and I was praying to Jesus this morning, where did you go, Lord? Where did you go? They walk out the door of that upper room and they go down some wood stairs, no doubt, and they go out into the streets of Jerusalem. It's nighttime, it's almost midnight. It may be one o'clock in the morning, there's nobody around. You can hear everything, every small movement, every noise can be heard as it echoes off the stone roads and Jesus makes his way down one of the roads And the 11 now, who are terrified, are walking behind him. He makes his way to one of the gates on the wall that surround the city of Jerusalem. The stars are out, the moon is lit. And he goes out, I don't know, he goes out that gate. And he goes down that main road. And there's a garden out out of ways. He he always prays there, so the 11 are are wondering, well, he must be out there. He must be going there. And he starts his journey towards the garden, and he stops the 11 because he can feel the tension. He can feel the fear. He can feel the pain. He can feel the panic. And you guys, you got to get this. I I don't know. Maybe he turns around and stops the 11, and he he simply says, come here. He goes, "I, I just need to pray over you right now. I just need to pray. And God starts praying to God. And I'm just sitting there going, what in the world? Like I'm reading John 17, which is the prayer. Out under the stars in the moonlight, he's just sitting there and he's, he's, he's praying over these guys. It was absolutely amazing. And we have like the slice, we have the, the curtain pulled back and we can look at John 17 and we can, we can see Jesus Christ, the son of God, equal with God, praying to God the Father. Like what is that prayer like? And that's what we see in John 17 verse one, when Jesus had spoken these words. When Jesus prayed this prayer, he goes like this, you guys, he lifted up his eyes to heaven Like he's looking at the stars as if he can see the Father, like he knows where the Father's at in the dimension the Father exists in. He just kind of lifts his hands, lifts his eyes, and he begins to pray. And we have this, this chapter, is what we call it, of John 17, which is the words of Jesus Christ praying for the 11 leaders. And then Jesus goes like this, Father, I do not pray for them alone. They're not the only ones I'm praying this for, but I am praying for, I am praying this prayer for every believer who will ever believe. And what's so crazy is the prayer is centered on keep them together transforming. That's what I need them to remember, God. Father, if there's anything Keep them together, hungry 
to keep changing. And I'm like reading that and I'm thinking like as a pastor, what am I supposed to be doing in my leadership? There's this tension in the prayer. If you look at verse 11, he literally is speaking to the father and he goes like this. I am no longer in the world. Like there's tension here. But they are in the world, Father. I'm leaving. But they're going to have to stay here. And you can like feel it. Like there's so much love here. I can't say Jesus was worried. But something is happening here. It's been, it's been good, Father. They've stayed strong and they've been transforming because I have been here with them to teach them. But I am going to be in the world no longer. They're going to have to stay in this world. I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Please keep them in your name. Please keep them following you. Please keep them focused on you. Please keep them transforming. You've given them to me, Father. But I can't be here. But Father, if they keep transforming... They'll be one. And Father, I want to pray that they would grow into the image of me, like they would so become like me that they would grow so tight, as tight, Father, as you and I are. And you're just like, what is going on right here? Like if we gather with a single-minded vision of transforming, learning the ways of Jesus and the Spirit radically reshaping our hearts, we can become one. We can be so knit that it will be a reflection of how knit the Father is with the Son if we keep growing. That's awesome. Keep them together, but keep them transforming. This is why we're a part of a church. We are here to become. We are here to become the full us. Uh, I'm a big propaganda guy. Not, uh, let me back up. The rapper propaganda. I'm not into propaganda. Well, I'm into the rapper propaganda. He's a Christian rapper. And he's got this line and he goes, you are so wrong about you. And I love that. Like we've sold ourselves short and God has this vision for us in Ephesians 2 of being this poetry, being this beautiful and powerful thing that's just created and, 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 and you doing these amazing things out in this world. We're not to be playing in mud puddles. We're to be swimming into the ocean of God's power and love. And that's what happens when we come together focused, radically devoted to transforming through his word. You are uniquely made. You are not a carbon copy, and Jesus is is desiring to bring that out through us coming together. So here's what I'm gonna show you. I wanna show you how this happens, because you may be sitting here and you're like, okay, I've been coming to church for a long time. I haven't experienced that. What actually happens in someone's heart? What what actually happens in someone's soul? Because I I can't tell you how many times God has blessed me by his, his grace, and I say this for his glory, But I can't tell you how many times people have told me, I've been so radically reshaped. My marriage has been so radically healed uh, through through this ministry of preaching the word and the body of Christ and discipleship and all this stuff. So what actually happens in our souls that causes the Holy Spirit to change us, to make us this thing? 
Because it's one thing to say it, like, let's pray. Let's just end this. It's a whole other thing for us to know how it happens and work with it. So in Jesus' prayer in John 17, he says, Oh, God, bring them together. But bring them together so they'll be changed. And, oh, God, help them to understand how it works. John 17, 17. Check it out. Here's our word. Jesus is pleading with the Father, and he goes like this. Oh, God, keep them together. The world is coming. It's going to claw at them. It's going to drag them back. It's going to tempt them. Keep them together. And then he goes like this. In verse 16, I love it. I don't have it behind me, but he goes like this. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. That doesn't mean like we're a bunch of weirdos. All right? That means that we don't process this world. We don't think, we don't operate the way of the culture. We have the culture of God that's broken through through the Holy Spirit and the Word. Like we have a whole new lens we're looking through. And that takes time. But he says in verse 17, here it is like, how does this transformation happen? He goes, sanctify them. Ah, there's our word. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Like he's declaring to the Father, like, Father, help them to remember. Sanctify means holy. And you know, like in, today, in today's Christian world, you can, you know, I'm a big book guy and, and I go into Christian bookstores. When's the last book on holiness uh, that you've seen in a, in a bookstore? Like, you know, th- th- I know, right? Three ways to be a better, da, three, you know, eight ways to be a better, uh, and then holiness. How to be holy. How to be a holy husband. You know, we think about that, and we think of, like, of the Puritans. Like, we're going to have to wear wigs and, like, wear robes and, like, holiness? Like, isn't that an outdated thing or something like that? Isn't that a 1950s thing or something weird? No, it's a radically adventurous, beautiful, transformative thing that Jesus wants to do in every one of us. Sanctify means make holy. Here's what Jesus is praying. Holy Father, make them holy and keep them holy. We could say it like this, guys. I don't know anything more adventurous and beautiful than this. Holy Father, keep making them like me. I'm okay with that. John 17, verse 19. Jesus goes like this, for their sake I consecrate myself. For their sake I set myself apart. Here's what he's saying, follow me. For their sake I go to the cross. That they also may be transformed by the truth. I'm going to the cross so they can receive the Holy Spirit. So that when they hear truth, the Spirit will change their hearts. That's it. That's the process. The process. That's the movement. That's the power. What was so attractive about Jesus? Like, if you're like, holiness, I don't know about that. But think about becoming like Jesus, you know? What was so attractive when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Think about it. His courage, right? Man, he was courageous. He was a lion. His wisdom Like, people would come up to him, and they would try to trip him up, and he would just be like, I'm not even answering that question. Here's the real issue. What's wrong with your heart? And, you know, like 10 people would walk away. Like, his wisdom, his love. I was just telling Jess this morning, like, he would pick up people's kids. Like, if I picked up some of your kids, like, they would freak out. You know, like, who's this guy? Jesus would just, like, swoop in and grab a kid and, like, hold the kid, and the kid would just be like, yes. Like, I'm home. It's him. I've never met him, but it's him. My, my soul knows him. 
this insight he had. I mean, what was so beautiful about Jesus? His self-control. His, he was just self-controlled. His humility, his joy. Jesus Christ never, not for a second, quenched the Holy Spirit. So when I say we come together to become like Jesus, it's called holiness, it's called sanctification, it's called these, these Christian words. All I'm saying is he wants to make you that. That should get us all excited. And here's how it works on the inside of us. When we come together and the spirit of God moves and we hear truth, the word of God, when the word of God connects with the Holy Spirit, see, that's what's happening. I read verses here and I explain them and I fling them. The Holy Spirit in you receives them. This is a really bad illustration, so show me grace. It, it, to me, it feels like playing catch almost. And I know it's terrible. I'm a baseball guy. But it's almost like you got the mitt, I got the ball, I'm going to throw it, you receive it. It's like when the word is flung out, the spirit then has something to work with. He's got truth. That's why the sword of the spirit is the word of God. Like you, you, can't, you can't break apart the spirit in you and, and the Bible, the word. It's this amazing thing. So as the Bible's preached or on covenant living when the Bible's taught or at a small group when the Bible's taught, the spirit says, yes, yes, love. Yes, a desire for holiness, you know, whatever it is. Or it's like, you know, when, if you're arguing with a spouse or something like that, and he's like, yeah, humble yourself. It says right here in this text, humble yourself. We go, ooh, oh, what was that? What was that? That's the spirit receiving truth and going, see, let's talk. Let's just talk. And see, people flinch at that naturally, right? Like, that's uncomfortable. We need to learn to love that because that's love. Conviction, love, that's kind of a crusty word, like conviction, but it's love. It's the spirit saying, throw me the word, like launch the word out, read the word in your home. But primarily Jesus is praying, like when you gather, hear the word so my spirit can grab a hold of it and say, see, we got to repair this. That's what we call repentance. Biblical repentance. I'm not talking about other versions of repentance that you may have heard of or something like that, but I'm talking about biblical repentance. It's a really cool word that sounds kind of scary. Don't be scared of it. It just means to make a sharp break. In other words, like when the Bible's taught, as we gather, whether it's five people in a, in a house you know, or several hundred people in a, in a, a sanctuary, when the, when the word goes out and the, the spirit receives it, he reveals gaps, gaps in us. He's like, see, see what Jesus did right there in, in Mark 9? He did that. You do that. <laughs> There's a gap. Now watch. Come with me. Let's fill the gap. Let's do it Jesus' way. Amen. And all of a sudden it's like, yeah, that's what I want. I want to do it Jesus' way. That's what he's talking about in, in 1719. For their sake I go to the cross so they can hear truth and be changed. They need my spirit to receive truth so we can create some repentance, so we can create some conviction, so we can show where the gap is, and we can teach them in love how to close the gap. And I want to say it again, that repentance is a gift from God. It is a gift from God. Because I'm going to walk around with these blind gaps, and it's going to hurt my life. I'm never going to be the person God wants me to be until those gaps are closed. So I need the word, I need to gather, I need to hear the word, I need to yield to what the Spirit's saying. There's your gap, John, there's your gap. Okay, then, then guide me, shepherd me now, Holy Spirit. Move me into it, give me courage. I want to act the way I just saw in the word. Repentance. It's awesome. It's a gift. 
And it's God's way of wooing us to himself by saying, here's a more precious way. Um, Don't be afraid, guys. I know this is San Francisco and I know it's 2000 whatever. And everything's weird. Don't be afraid to feel sorrow over sin as long as its impact is so deep that it launches us into a shift on how we think about life. Let it come. That's transformation and that is joy. This is, this is the son of God's prayer. Romans 12, 2. Most of you could probably quote that. This has probably been the greatest verse. I think I just said that earlier today, though. I think this has probably been the most impactful verse in my entire Christian life right here. He goes like this. Do not be conformed to this world. You know, does that mean dressing a certain way or whatever? Eh, you know, I don't know. It could. It's talking about your mindset, your spirit, your heart, what you love. Don't be conformed to the heartbeat of this very sad world. But be transformed. Be very different. Be like Jesus. Look at people the way Jesus looked at. Look at sin the way Jesus looked at sin. Look at marriage the way Jesus looked at marriage. Be transformed. Don't don't just march to that culture How do we do it? By the renewal of your mind. Something's got to be heard. Something's got to go in here, and it's got to create some conviction, some repentance. Uh Uh-oh, that's not the way I thought this week. That's not how I thought this week. But I needed to hear that so bad. The Spirit's talking to me. He's wooing me to the, the Father's ways. He loves me. It's the renewal of our minds. So then we begin to do this, that by testing, we leave here and Monday hits, and like, you know, maybe you see that person, and it's kind of like, oh, I feel like I'm going to do it again. And then you start testing it. But that's not what the Spirit guided me in. So we can now discern, what does God want me to do right here? What is good? What is acceptable? What is his perfect way? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let me, let me show you something amazing. You have, if you're a believer in this room, you have the Spirit of God. And you have the word of God. And if you'll let those two collide, the most amazing things will happen if you yield and allow those gaps to be revealed and move towards God's way. Check this out. We are stewards of the knowledge of his ways. We are stewards of them. We are to govern and manage we, we are to watch over. We have been delivered the secrets of God's ways. The way he loves. The way he fights. The way he takes stands. The way he deals with kids. Like, that can't be understood by everybody, you guys. But God, through his spirit, has allowed us to know those ways, those secret ways, and he calls on us to steward them, to care for them, and to experience them. 1 Corinthians 2.7 is a radical truth. Paul goes like this, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom. Like you want, you want to know the, you want to, and I don't mean to be vulgar when I say this, guys, but this is a part of life. Like you want to know what sex is? You want to know what it looks like to raise a kid? Like you want to, you want to really know what it is to raise a kid? You want to know what it's like 
to use money in a whole new way. Do you want to know what it looks like to be fearless and not yield to the fear of people? I have a secret and hidden wisdom for you. Which God decreed before the ages for our glory. God said, I'm going to give them my spirit and I'm going to give them my truth. And if they'll come together and let those two come, uh, collide and show where those gaps is. Show, show where those gaps are. I, I will show them the way to close those gaps and show them secret and hidden ways that the world cannot know on how to do those things a thousand times better. I'm convinced that we, 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 we really don't know the full extent and the joy of things like love, sacrifice, marriage, family, until we grow into God's secret wisdom. And I love these words. This is what I call awakening. This is what I call enlightenment. When we come together and the word connects with the spirit and we see those gaps in us and then we, we hear the gentle voice of God saying, let's close the gaps. Just trust me. Follow me on this. Let's make, it, let's make a decision to do it differently. He awakens us more and more. There's an enlightening that happens. It's literally seeing everything in light of God, you guys. That makes everything more beautiful. I'm doing a lot of outdoor stuff. I don't know what's going on, but I look out over these horizons. I, look over, I was on this cliff face, and I was looking out into this forest, and it was just amazing yesterday. And it was so cool, you guys. Like, I can pan, and I'm like, I think that's a hawk. <laughs> and then Anna's like, Dad, that's a vulture. And I'm like, well, all right, let's get a little closer. And I'm like, I think the trail's down there. And, you know, Jess is like, no, I don't think so. You're getting us lost and all this crazy stuff. But what's so amazing about this whole thing is, what if I was to get a pair of binoculars or a scope or something like that, and I was to zoom in and see that hawk or see that trail or see that riverbed, I, I could see it in a whole new way, a whole new beauty. See, that's what God is trying to do to the heart and to the mind. He's saying, let my word connect with my spirit and let's create a different lens so that when you look at pers- a person, a homeless person, a job, a wife, a, a husband, whatever it is, I'm going to bring it into focus. I'm going to bring it near than it's ever been before. And you're going to see the detail like never be- before and the beauty. And, and I really think that the reason for problems in churches worldwide is simply that we have not learned the ways of the king and his kingdom enough for him to influence how we think and how we live in every part of our lives. And that's why we talk a lot about breakthroughs here. People always say, his thoughts are not our thoughts, right? Like we always do that. We're like, yeah, God did this thing and I didn't see it two weeks ago, but now I see it. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. Let's repair that. That's not a good verse, it's a bad thing, guys. Like, we're always like, see, he's way beyond us, and he's amazing, and that's true to an extent, but we're always like, no, he's rebuking Israel. He's saying, like, you and I don't think alike. That's what God's saying to Israel. He's like, we don't think alike. Like, you don't think about everything from marriage to power, right? Like, this whole thing, we don't think alike. You need to start thinking like me. That's what God says. So be careful with that verse. That's always an interesting one when I hear it. Like we're praising God that we don't think like him. What, what Jesus says is you can think like me. You can have my thoughts and experience transformative power. And, and I really believe the key to either great purpose with our lives or great struggle 
lies in where we choose to sustain our focus. It's all about knowing him. Every thought, every action in our lives speaks of allegiance to either God or the lies of this world. And both are empowered when you agree. Like if you hear the words of God and you're like, yeah, I got a gap right there. I'm going home and I'm doing it this way. The Spirit spoke to me today through the word. You're agreeing with God and whatever you agree with is going to come to be. But if you listen, yeah, you know, your homeboy or whatever, he's like, man, don't even worry about that. Like she or whatever, you know, and you listen to these lies and you go home and you're like, yeah, you are agreeing with the lies you hear and that's going to come into reality. That's going to become something. We need to hear the word. Let the spirit show the gap. Allow him to shepherd us and move us forward in light of what we heard from the word. Agree with it and watch something birth. I read an author uh, this, this week, and he goes like this. Renewing your mind means learning to recognize what comes from hell and what comes from heaven. <laughs> and then agreeing with heaven. God designed your mind to be one of the most supernaturally powerful tools in the universe. But it needs to be sanctified and yielded to the Holy Spirit so you can carry out his designs his creative ideas, and his powerful plans in your everyday life. I love that. Jonathan Edwards called this transforming experience of hearing the word, letting the spirit catch it, show us where we're off, and guide us into something new. He called it calm ecstasy. One more place. Look at John 17, 26. It's calm ecstasy when you feel the spirit speaking to you through the word and you move towards him. This is the end of Jesus' prayer. Oh God, I need them to have this so bad. I made known to them your name. I showed them, I taught them your ways, God. And I will continue to make it known. You know what he's talking about right there? The spirit and the word. Like how are you gonna make God's ways known? Like how these guys should operate day to day with their lives if you're leaving. He's like, my spirit is coming back And my word is coming that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. There's this dance with the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and us. When the Spirit and the word are allowed to work in our lives, we become one with this thing. We feel it. We sense its presence. We come out in its image. And so guys, let me wrap this up. What are we going to do with this? Because I declare that I was created to be a part of the greater works generation. I want to see it. And we want to go into our cities. We want to go into our world. And we want to be these world changers. But we have to be changed first. And I was thinking about this more and more. Like we always talk about reaching people for Jesus. We owe the world a spirit-filled encounter with God. I mean, I almost want to say to the world, don't believe us unless we're living the life of Jesus. I like that challenge. So here's what I say, and then we're going to pray. The Holy Spirit eagerly reveals his mysteries to every single person who's truly hunger, hungry to know the ways of God. And I believe the Holy Spirit makes us hungry in the first place. 
And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to remind us that our hunger can't be satisfied except by receiving the word of God and moving towards what we hear together. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to take our current level of hunger to be the people God wants us to be. And just in faith and anticipation, let's ask him through prayer to increase that hunger even as he satisfies and grows us and he will do it. Amen? Let's pray together. And I just want to pray for the hunger to be together for the sole purpose to hear the word of God and to move towards it in obedience and joy. It's joy, guys. And if there's anybody here, goodness, guys, everybody here, myself included, there are just places, there's gaps. We know it. Let's let the word and the spirit speak and connect right now. What is it for you? I know know what it is for me. Let's let the word resonate right now. Let's let the spirit catch the word, the verse you're thinking of. What does Jesus say about that, that area? Say it right now to yourself and let the spirit grab it. And feel beautiful conviction. It's okay. Now let the Spirit shepherd you. Take a step of faith towards the Holy Spirit and what He's telling you. You are answering the prayer of Jesus right now if you're doing that, right now. This is what the Savior prayed for right there. He's wise. You can trust him. Move towards him. Let's leave all those things behind together. Let's leave it behind this morning. see the gap now see the bridge built by the word and the spirit and see the Holy Spirit the spirit of Jesus on the other side just telling you come here come on come on let's close the gap walk my way take my path now and you will find life Spend some precious and beautiful time with him right now. And when the Spirit says so, Jeffrey's just going to lead us in song. Just be with him full of hope right now, full of life.